Your property podcast comes to you with thanks to our friends at Trafalgar Square Finance, leading independent specialists in mortgages and all types of property finance. Whether it's buy-to-let, development or bridging finance, Trafalgar Square can help you organise your funding for your next property project. Exclusively to listeners of Your Property Podcast, Trafalgar Square offer a free one-to-one consultation. So whether you are a portfolio landlord looking to raise funds on your existing portfolio, or if you're just starting out and want to find out if you are eligible for a buy-to-let mortgage, Trafalgar Square Finance can help. It's easy to book with one of their experienced consultants by simply visiting yourpropertynetwork.co.uk forward slash finance. You can find this link in the show notes for more details. Hello and welcome to Your Property Podcast. My name is Michelle Cairns. Today we have with us Daniel Priestley. Now, Daniel is the founder of Dent Global, one of the world's top business accelerators for entrepreneurs and leaders to stand out and scale up. He's also the founder of tech platform ScoreUp, author of five best-selling books, and is named in the top 10 business advisors in the UK by Enterprise Nation. Daniel's mission is to develop entrepreneurs who stand out, scale up, and make a positive impact in the world. So, Daniel, welcome to the show. Hello, hello. Hi. How are you, Michelle? (laughs) Very well, thank you. How are you, Daniel? Yeah, very well. This is a bit surreal, being on the, there's normally like 300 people uh, on the Zoom with us. (laughs) Well, so, we can get some we can get some people on if you like. <laughs> well, there'll be plenty of people listening and watching on the YouTube as well. So um, as you can see, we're recording now. So um, if it's OK with you, rather than kind of going through the, you know, where did you start when you were five years old right the way through to today? Um, I'd like to kind of use the time to just kind of dive straight into the nitty gritty of. I love um, it. Yeah, I love it so much. <laughs> Great. Um, so as you know, our, you know, uh, podcast property um a property podcast is aimed at people who are aspiring property investors or they've got a business already portfolio and they're growing. Um, you've written a few books on branding and, um, you know, creating a unique product that adds you know, a significant amount of value um, to stand out from the market. So in terms of in terms of um, creating a unique brand, um, a lot of people in property, they need to attract investors, right? Uh, or they are working on a serviced accommodation unit and they need to stand out in the crowd. So where do people start when creating a brand? First place to start is to have radical empathy with the person who's going to be a decision maker that you want to make a positive decision. So I want you to imagine you're a property investor and you're going to be raising some capital um and you're going to present your property development to someone who's going to invest and they're going to say well it all looks good and i just need a little bit of time to think about it right so they're going to go away and what are they really saying here's what they're secretly saying they're saying it all looks good i just need a minute to google you (laughs) i need to google google your name and uh what they're going to do is they're going to have a look at google and they're going to go through page one and page two and they're going to say does this person seem credible? Are there any complaints about this person? Um, do they seem to know what they're talking about? Do they seem distracted with all sorts of other things? Um, is there anyone else who would be a better person I should be working with? Um, so they're going to have all of those natural, normal questions going on in their mind while they go through the Google search. So 
if you've presented to someone powerfully and you've given them a great piece of information and you've really mapped out things for them, then they Google you and your profile looks solid, they're going to go ahead. It's a yes. All right. So anyone who's on the fence, they're going to say, yeah, fine, let's go ahead. Uh, if it's crickets, as in like there's not much there, then they're going to need another seven hours of convincing. Um, and if there's anything negative whatsoever, then the deal is off. So basically that's how it works, right? That's how it works in every industry. You just need to have radical empathy with that person and say, what do I want them to see, right? What would they need to see in order to, to feel comfortable? Um, it's very much the case that a lot of amazing people have got huge mountains of value in their history, but they just don't put anything online, right? So, you know, they might have previously worked for a major property development company. Maybe they've previously been an architect or they've worked in local government or, um, they've worked in investment management or they've hold certain qualifications and degrees. Why can't I find that stuff, right? Why can't I see it? Oh, I know why I can't, because I'm too modest. No, it's not for you. It's for them. And that's what makes them unique, right? And stand out. Yeah, that would make you investable. That's right, what makes okay. you worthy of partnership, right? I, I don't care if you're, to be honest, I don't care if you're unique, I care oh. if I can trust you with my money, <laughs> right? In okay. the in the case of investment, yeah, I want to know. I want to know: Are you trustworthy, and can you get some sort of return above what I could get myself? Um, so you know, so that's that's part number one. If you're a developer or a property investor, you're really the person who's bringing people together. You're the lightning rod for that project. You need people to be able to see you as the credible and trustworthy person, um, and you know that that's all part of that brand. Right. And so how do, in terms of the, you say like the uniqueness comes secondary to trust and building trust is like transparency, being online and sharing, not just what you're up to now, but your, your history as well. So um, how does the brand come into that then? Well, think about, think about the brand as between two people. So Rather than thinking about having a brand that's out in the world like Coca-Cola or something like that, think about let's just start with two individuals. So if I if I had gone to high school with you and we've known each other ever since, and we keep touching bases every couple of years, and we, you know, we've gone on a lifetime journey, and I've seen you do certain things, and I've seen you, you know, go from strength to strength and deal with difficult problems and um and solve them, then your brand with me is okay, I know this person, I've known them for a while, they seem dependable, they seem interesting, they seem trustworthy, they seem like they can help handle problems. So I've got that connection. So essentially what we're trying to do is take that feeling that we would have between two people and try and basically scale it, right? How do I get 100 people to feel that way? How do I get 1,000 people to feel that way? Um, so they might feel that way by listening to podcasts. They might feel that way by following you on social media, maybe by watching some videos, maybe by um, reading some of the reports you've written. So all of those things, you're giving people the data that they need, the data, the um, education, the um, content that they need in order to fill the gaps and to feel, okay, I know enough about this person um, uh, to, to do something. Right. And in terms of then they've got that information, they've got the data and they've got the know, like, and trust you. It seems like to me what comes next is the value. How are you going to stand out from the crowd in terms of if everyone's kind of offering the same? And these days it feels like everyone's on social media all the time and they're all doing all of those things, right? So um, 
how do people create value for whether that's their like their guests in their um in their or the tenants or whether it's an investor so for starters we don't necessarily need to stand out from the crowd for everyone we're not trying to do anything silly or weird or um novel we need to be just constantly showing up for our people we need to be you know consistent and we need to be um sensible and we need to be present you know it seems like everyone's sharing on social media but 90% of people aren't we know yeah. the stats something something like 5 to 10% of people share 95% of the content so it's a very small number of people who share a lot of stuff as a consumer on social media you're seeing lots of people sharing stuff because that's social media. It's like turning on the television and saying, oh, gee, people are putting stuff on every single channel. It's like, yeah, because you're looking. So, of course, they are. Um, but doesn't mean that everyone's sharing stuff on every single ch channel. So what actually is the truth is about 10% of people share 90% of the content uh, on, on social media. So everyone can increase the volume of content that they put on social media. Small things should be big things. So if you've done a development, where are the before and after photos? Uh, if you've done a development, where's the report that said, here's how here's how much we spent, here's how much we delivered. Um, if you uh, have done a, if you've worked on any previous um, property, where's the stories uh, of what, you know, of what happened? Um, so those are all things that you could be sharing. I know property people who are very good on social media. They literally video phone calls of the talking to tenants and solving problems, and that goes on social media and stuff. People love it. They hit 7,000 people watch every video uh, of having a call with a tenant about a boiler, uh, right? So there's always more you can be doing to, to build, your, build your brand and to show up powerfully and show that you're consistent and show that you care uh, more, more than anyone. So that's that's really powerful. Um, as far as delivering value, you've got to start with the fundamentals. What do people actually want? Right, and can you deliver the basics? Um, then you've got to ask, what are the extras? So, you know, this is this is the minimum standard. This is what we're paying for. What's the level of of extras? And then what's the surprise and delight? So, um, so what people like, for example, if I may, if and I'm in, if I'm an investor in a project, I want to know that the project's well run and well documented, and that I get a um, return. And that I get my my money back within with the return that we discussed. That's the that's the basic. What's the extras is I might be given reports on a regular basis, or I might be invited on on site for a tour, um, or I might be shown some videos or photos. You know, which oh wow, that's extra. I didn't expect that. And then the surprise and delight might be actually we had a saving and I've passed on some of that return to you above and beyond what we agreed. Wow, okay, that's pretty pretty amazing. I'll come in for the next one. Um, so, you know, so those are the types of things that uh, people can be thinking about. Right. Well, it seems like the, you know, it's, it's so important now more than ever to be looking at alternative ways rather than the traditional day job to be bringing income in through multiple streams of, you know, whether it's property or businesses. So, and even in the past few months, you know, there's been huge changes, not just in the property market, of course, but in the world with, you know, the UK recession and, you know, interest rates, all so many different things, cost of living crisis and, you know, shifts even with chat GPT, right? So the, the world seems to be changing very quickly in the last six months. How yeah. do you see that, let's say for the next 12 months, 
or you know 24 months what what's going to be um needed do you think by people who want to thrive in this market there's a great wave of disruption coming through this year i mean it's really it started 12 years ago 15 years ago with social media and um the consolidation of people with brands and uh, essentially all of those starts those things happened over the last 15 years but Really, I would call that a bit of a groundswell. And what's happened is there's a huge wave that's now just happened. And the wave has just popped up. The truth is, is that um, for many people, it's too late, right? They're just not going to be able to surf that wave. They didn't do enough in the last 12, 15 years. That it's just not going to be possible to suddenly grab a surfboard and paddle out the back and catch a wave. It's too late, right? You had to be out there. You had to have your surfboard. You had to be out there waiting. So for a lot of people, they're going to be dumped and um, they're going to discover that the economy splits in two, the haves and the have-nots for a short period of time. Um, there's going to be people who this is the best of times um, because they were well-positioned and there are going to be people who are, this is the worst of times, um, you know, because they get disrupted. One of the things I do see happening is that the blue-collar economy, I think, is going to have a resurgence. Uh, because one thing technology doesn't do very well is change a boiler. Um, it doesn't repair roof tiles. It doesn't, you know, um, paint uh, paint the house or change the plasterboards. So, um, and also with Brexit, it's made it incredibly difficult to get tradespeople. So it's forcing the forcing the prices up. I think I think uh, if I was a Ferrari dealership Ferrari dealership right now, I'd be out there talking to people who can pl change plasterboards and who can uh, put up scaffolding and who can change boilers. Uh, those people are going to be having plenty of disposable income. Um, but look, there's, there's a big disruption. If you've done the, the basics in the last 12, 15 years, if you've been active on social media, if you have been conscious of your personal brand, if you've been building some digital assets and some, um, some scalable income streams, then this is an incredibly great wave that is, that is going to power everything. Uh, you know, ChatGPT is like having a personal assistant. Um, if you're if you're a CEO and you didn't have an executive assistant, you're at a disadvantage to a CEO who does have an executive assistant. Now, an executive assistant can't run the company for you. They can be a really good assistant, but they can't actually be a CEO, or else they would be a CEO. So, ChatGPT is like the executive assistant. You've got to be a good CEO, and then the executive assistant comes in and makes you more effective. Um, so that's going to happen. So anyone who's, this is the problem. Anyone who's effective right now is going to become more effective. Yeah. Uh, anyone who's a heavy hitter is going to hit harder than, they, than they've ever hit. Um, so that's, that's all happening. But if you're lazy, if you're easily distracted, if you watch a lot of Netflix, if you sit around on TikTok scrolling the length of the Eiffel Tower with your thumb every, every afternoon, forget about it. You're going to be smashed to the smithereens. You're going to be force-fed a bunch of ridiculous content. You're going to be watching some 17-year-old shaking her ass in a bikini while everyone else is making a ton of money. And you're going to sit there and go, well, what the hell happened? And you'll say, well, I'll tell you what happened. Uh, you, you were just distracted at a time when this was the greatest moment in history to be an entrepreneur and to do something. You were, you know, watching Andrew Tate's opinions on life uh, instead of getting on with your own opinions on life. Yeah, by the time they realize, like, it's too late, right? Yeah, totally. It's already too late for most people. There's no, so, right, right now, 2023, there's no playing catch-ups. How do you know if you're in the right camp then? 
If you're in the right camp, you've been conscious of your personal brand in the last five, 10 years, you've built digital assets, you've been investing in anything that is a scalable revenue stream, um, you've been building your network, uh, you have been um, creating versus consuming, uh, you um, have a very clear vision as to what you want to achieve for the future and you're working towards it um, and you're leveraging all the tools that you possibly can. You've probably already figured out that you need an assistant. You've probably got a sales assistant or you've got an appointment setter or you've got a virtual assistant in the Philippines or something like that. Um, you've been a guest on podcasts. You've been running a podcast. You've got a YouTube channel. Um, you so guard your time. So where, where, do, where do those people then focus going forward? Just the same, like more of the same or anything different? There's a slight shift uh, from the noise of media and content um, into data and analytics. So if you want to make a subtle shift, um, one of the most subtle shifts is that the real wealth creators are now moving into data and analytics and owning data and collecting data um, and they're using technology to qualify more than quantify. So the name of the game in the last 10 years or in the 2010s uh, was very much build as big a following as you possibly can, 10, 20, 30, 40, 50,000 people plus. The name of the game is now qualify people and figure out who are the right people to be talking to. Um, in the story of Cinderella, he has a glass slipper so that he can find Cinderella amongst thousands of people claiming to be Cinderella. Um, and data analytics is about finding Cinderella uh, or finding a needle in the haystack, right? It's about figuring out qualification versus out of, out of the quantity of all the things you need data to tell you what you should be taught, who you should be talking to um, as opposed to just broadcast. So broadcasting is not a bad thing because, you know, you can get, you can grow your community and grow your tribe and build trust with people. Um, but because it's so noisy and because AI has given rise to a order of magnitude of new content that's about to hit the market, um, it's going to become pretty meaningless uh, putting more and more content into the content machine. What will become meaningful is the ability to spot the right thing to do to conserve energy and go in deep uh, with the right people. So find your tribe, find your 1,000 true fans and then focus in on them and find out what they need, what they want. And yeah, and do something, do something special for 12 people as opposed to trying to shout for 1,200 people. So, you know, one of the best things people could be doing is private dining, um, you know, dinners and real-life connected get-togethers where we all sit around and talk for a couple of hours over dinner um, because... Everything online is becoming less trusted as, as more and more AI comes in. We don't know what's real and what's been generative. Um, so the very high trust environments is where we get around a table and or we get onto a Zoom call live and we talk to each other. Um, and really, it's the people that the money is going to go to people who have quite a following, maybe 10,000 to 100,000 people, but who know how to select the right five to 10 people to be talking to every day. Right. So um, in that scenario, then you're, you're potentially creating, you know, a, let's say a mentorship group where people are choosing you as a mentor coach, you know, some, a role model. 
um, someone to follow or emulate or, or get help with their with what, whatever they need, the solution to their problem. Um, and you've obviously been a mentor coach for, for most of your life <laughs> by the sounds of it. How do you choose your mentors? Um, so I'm pretty, I'm pretty fussy with my mentors personally. Um, oh. <laughs> I, I need them to, for me personally, I need them to have results that I want and not just any result, but I like them to have holistic results. So because I'm a dad, I like them to be dads. I like I like to follow people who understand what it is to balance business with being a father um, and a husband. Um, I like them to have, you know, I, I love it when they've also got health and fitness as a priority and things like that. Um, and they're also succeeding um, in, in business. Um, and also, can they transfer the knowledge? They might be extremely good. I, I know a guy who sold his company for over 100 million. But every time I sit down and talk to him, I cannot for the life of me. <laughs> he, he's just, he, the way his brain works is he's, he, he jumps extreme over here and then he jumps over here and two topics that I think are completely unrelated and I have to work really hard. to. Um, and I get to the end of an hour with him and I think, I'm not sure what I can take away from that conversation. <laughs> it was really weird. Um, but, you know, so I need to know that a person is is doing great things and then also i need them to uh, to have the ability to transfer that um you know that we can we can talk the same language that's and how i shared values, yeah shared values and then rapport as well and in terms of like style you and, and, outcomes. There, and, yeah. and outcomes and outcomes yeah. so is the style of communication uh important in terms of uh, for example anyone who's wealth dynamics we've got the personality profile and test um you know there's a there's one theory where you bring somebody into the team who has that different skill set to yourself um or different style of communication so if you're more kind of um on the blaze and the uh, you know the um like networking with people that's something you enjoy working with people then you need to bring someone who's more detailed and can do the spreadsheets so do you look for somebody say that's certainly i'd say that's certainly true for a leadership team um but a mentor i don't think it matters as much that they're different if anything being the being similar would probably be a benefit um because there's no point being mentored by someone who's got a radically different personality style to yourself because they're going to say well you know daniel you've got to stop having all these big ideas and writing all these books <laughs> and you have to get into the spreadsheets and 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 penny pinch and you've got to you've got to you know do do budgeting and get more frugal it's like yeah, that doesn't come naturally to me. Um, yeah. So I'd much rather be around someone who is an author and who is an innovator and who's coming up with new products and technologies and all that sort of stuff. Um, so I, but within my senior leadership team, I've got someone who's very grounded and is just a, a get stuff done implementer. I've got someone who's extremely finance orientated. Um, I've got a kick the door down sales guy. Uh, so in the in the senior leadership team, you know, I've got those classic bases are all are all covered. Fair enough. And so let's say we've got we've we've built our tribe, we've got our one thousand two funds or whatever. Um, what do you notice because you you run so many of these groups and you have done for many many years? What do you notice the patterns of the people who succeed and the patterns for people who don't? Um, do you know I can I can now. In many cases, I can see straight away, um, especially on a Zoom screen. When I've got 
30 people in front of me on a Zoom screen. Uh, people who've got no camera on, they're extremely rare that I see anything happen. Uh, they're, they're not fully engaged. They've got the, get, the guard up, the barrier up. You know, they're half listening. You could, if someone's going to message me and say, oh, I don't have my camera on because I'm, you know, I've got this, you know, I'm, I'm nursing a child and I'm doing this or I'm, I've got this going on or I'm with my elderly family member or something like that. Okay, fine, exception to the rule. But as a general rule, you know, the people who make it, they're there, right? That They're there, they're well-dressed, they've got a nice background, they put thought into how they show up in the world. I've been on calls where people are, are picking their nose, laying in a laying in bed, you know, with their, laying in bed with their big double chin angle <laughs> for the whole group to see, um, you know, uh, you know, wandering yeah. around with yeah. wandering around with their phone, and I'm sitting there going, "Do you not care how you show up? Like, would you show up to a if I if I invited you to a Mayfair restaurant?" And I, I put you in a room with 30 or 40 amazing entrepreneurs. Would you show up, you know, in a bed? Uh, you do, <laughs> Yeah, you know, like, so there's some, there is definitely a correlation that people who are, people who are kicking the doors off the hinges, they show up to everything ready to kick the doors off the hinges. They, they show up looking the business, looking sharp, um, you know, projecting energy. They've just, boom, they've got the energy pouring off them and you, you see them, you spot them a mile away. On a screen of 30, they jump off the screen. You know who they are. Within three minutes, you know who are the people who are going to smash it and you know who are the people who uh, NGM, uh, what, what do they say? NGMI, not going to make it. <laughs> <laughs> and for the people who you see, they, you know, they are keen, they're enthusiastic, but they get stuck. Um, how do you work with those people where you can see they've got, you know, the enthusiasm, they've got the right drive, um, but they've got those blocks in a group scenario where you're not doing one-to-one -one coaching? Um, are they, you know, are there stories that you tell or is it more um, strategies? How do you kind there's of a, There's a few things. The, the first thing is I'm a big believer that environment dictates performance, that when you get around the right people in the right environment, it just elevates the standard. And I've seen that happen when we do a repetitive group. If the standard's high, all the people who were at a low standard at the beginning raise their standard by week three or four. Um, so there is a there's a there's a high standard within within groups. So environment dictates performance is interesting. The second one I notice is frameworks. Frameworks do half the work. I'm a big big believer that if the right framework will do half the work. So for example, there are good frameworks for how to write a book. There are good frameworks for how to pitch a deal. Um, there are good frameworks for how to productize your intellectual property into something that scales. So if you can follow a good framework and if you can present a good framework and plug your content in, um, you know, that that's very, very helpful. So environment, being around the right people consistently again and again, having powerful conversations um, and then letting the framework do half the work. Um, or, you know, those, those are some of the, the, the things. The way I operate, though, when I'm operating with groups, it's not my problem to try and fix everyone. They can jump on board. We're, we're very much a moving train. So we're going to go, a big group of us are going to go and do amazing things. And if someone tries and tries and tries and, and doesn't make it, we'll do what we can to bring them along. But I, I'm not sitting there 
I'm not sitting there saying it's my job to help and fix everyone to be successful. Being successful is freaking hard. Um, there are plenty of people who, when I ask them, why do you think, you know, why haven't you succeeded? Oh, work-life balance is really important to me. Great. Then don't, you're not going to get the same results as someone who throws themselves in harder. Um, that's everyone's working with their own situation. I'm not trying to create an egalitarian society uh, of everyone gets the same result. If you fall behind, you fall behind. You're a big, you're a big person, you know, dust off your, dust off your elbows and get on with it. Um, so you've got the, you've got the framework, you've got the community. How important is the mindset? And, I, and I've, and I've got my nonchalant, don't give a, don't give a damn <laughs> attitude. Yeah. Take or leave it, yeah. And how important is the mindset? Um, so all humans, billionaires and and uh, students and McDonald's workers and McDonald's owners, we all have the same fundamental hardware of our of our brain. And the biggest issue I've seen with mindset is it relates to the fundamentals of the brain. So the brain is kind of built in these three sections. There's the reptile, fight, flight, freeze, uh, freak out. Um, uh, highly emotive but negative emotions Um, and that's we've all got one of those we've all sent that email we regret we've all um, gotten we've all uh, gotten that red mist of you know I want to rip their face off right we've all had that moment of like Um, so that's reptile Uh, autopilot is essentially a big part of the brain where we just do things by reflex so We've all had the moment where we've jumped in the car and we've been driving along. And then we think, how did I drive for the last five minutes? Like, I don't remember driving for the last five minutes. I've been listening to the radio or I've been doing other things, but somehow I didn't crash the car for five minutes without thinking about it. So you were driving on autopilot. Um, And then there's the visionary, the neofrontal cortex, which is love, compassion, empathy, creativity, innovation, um, strategy, connecting the dots. Uh, seeing the bigger picture, zooming out to the 30,000 foot view and seeing what's possible, Um, being uh, open to uh, ambiguity, uh, you know, feeling around in the dark until you find the thing that you're looking for, right? So that part of the brain is the curious and open and communicative, uh, interesting part of the brain, the human, it's it's you at your best. Um, And realistically, the mindset's pretty simple. Every single person has access to all three. The lower parts shut down the higher parts. If you go reptile, you can't be visionary at the same time. So it's essentially being aware of that three-part mind and taking action to stop yourself going reptile, right? So giving yourself little breaks, uh, taking those things that trigger you and parking them off to the side, and then giving yourself to get out of your normal environment, not being uh, autopilot, and then getting yourself around people who take you up to big picture land um, and going away on a holiday, getting into a new environment, standing on top of a mountain and uh, and thinking to yourself, oh, I wonder if I did this, what, what would it be like if I tried this? Why haven't I done that before? Okay, maybe I should. So it's, um, it, it, it's that. The level of incredible intelligence that's up there in that visionary mind we've all got access to it and we can all access it rapidly every single day Um, so the mindset stuff's pretty easy you just need to give yourself space to get up into the visionary 
And do you think that when you're looking for people to kind of come on board with you in whatever capacity that is, um, that uh, do you need them to have the right mindset already? Or is that something that you're, you know, you provide the, the content, the framework, and actually the mindset is just part of it and you're happy to kind of coach them on that along the way? Um, well, for starters, I'm normally never looking for anyone to come on board. Um, right. So we always run a waiting list. Uh, I run uh, online self-assessments and people can self-assess and we pick and choose people who, you know, we, we work with people who are good and who are going to be great. Um, so we, we virtually never chase anyone. We don't do any chasing whatsoever. Um, it's all inbound and it's all um, people who already resonate with what we do. They typically have seen the results of one of our clients They've had a chat with someone and said, how did you go from here to here? And they're like, oh, I've been working with these guys. So we, we get most of our business through people who know what we do and, and they really want to jump through hoops to work with us. The, um, the mindset stuff is we know we can change that really fast because it really is just a switch between reptile, autopilot and visionary. As soon as you get someone in the visionary, the stuff they come up with is phenomenal. Before this call, I was talking to a client who he was talking about a business idea which he projected to 2.5 million of revenue. And I was chatting with him and we got ourselves into a bit more of a visionary space and we started taking it up a gear. And we said, well, wait a second, what if we did a 30 city tour? And what if we partnered with Accenture to do this, this, and this? And what if we partnered with this big energy company to do this? And if we brought that in and if we created this as a platform and everyone plugged in and played their role in the platform, when we calculated it out, it was 125 million worth of revenue per year. And we basically, and it wasn't just kind of like, oh yeah, that's a good theory. It was like, no, no, we've got the contacts, the connections. This, this is a business that could be doing, you know, because he already works with some of the biggest brands in the world. It's like, we know how we can solve seriously big problems for these companies. So why are we not playing that game? And it's like, boom. And in the space of one hour, the thinking went from two and a half million a year to 125 million a year. Um, right. So you, that's an example of you don't necessarily need a mindset shift that's prescriptive. You just need to be in a, in the, in a different um, category of mindset. Yeah, you need to like unlock the next level. Yeah, and, you just yeah. need to be in the visionary. Okay. Well, uh, that's probably a good place to wrap up. One final question. Uh, I know you like to ask a lot, but what are you up to now? Uh, at the moment, I'm we're scaling Score Up. So Score Up is um, data analytics for growing businesses. Um, it's online quizzes, questionnaires, and assessments so that you can collect leads, qualified leads. Um, at the moment, that's a great exciting business because it grows by five to 10% per month. Um, yesterday, about 140 people took a trial. Right? Wow. So it's like, wow, right? So it's it's just like uh, these moments where it's just kind of jumping ahead. Uh, it's exciting. Uh, the accelerator business is, is um, going through a really fascinating part as well. So we're getting, because we deliver everything on Zoom now, we're getting clients from all over the world and we're getting incredible clients. So on any given call, we might have someone in Montreal and on, in Nigeria and South Africa and Dubai and Amsterdam and Budapest and, you know, like 
you know, so we're building this global network of people who are going through the accelerator together. Um, and then we're doing some acquisitions, buying some companies that fit within our growth services part of the group. So we've got we're up to eight companies in, in growth services. Um, so yeah, a bit of acquisition. We just bought a company in the Philippines that does um, that does virtual assistants that are AI enabled and trained virtual assistants. Um, yeah. Wow, sounds exciting. <laughs> Never a dull moment, I'm sure. Well, you know, every now and then. <laughs> Great. Well, thank you so much for your time. I really, really appreciate it. I'm sure our listeners have got lots of golden nuggets out of it, lots of inspiration as well. And uh, we'll put links to your website and the scorecard up in the show notes as well. And um, great. We'll look forward to seeing what you're up to in the next 12 months. Nice one. Thanks, Michelle. Thanks for having me on your platform. You're welcome. And for anyone who is yet is not yet a subscriber to the magazine, please click the link in the show notes for your free 30-day trial.